Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Merry Christmas, everyone. See, y'all have it right here. I love it. Merry Christmas. We are 20 days away from Christmas. 20 days away. And if you didn't recognize it, but last week started the Advent season where there is a countdown, where Advent literally means waiting. It means we have to wait. Let me ask you a real question. I want some participation, so this is going to be fun today. How many of you raise your hand if you go, I love to wait. I really enjoy waiting. (laughs) Balcony, anyone, anyone. Remember, if you lie, you fry in church. You know that, okay? No one, no one likes waiting. No one would ever raise their hand, not a kid, not an 80-year-old, not an 8-year-old, not an 18-year-old or a 38-year-old. No one likes waiting. Nobody wants to intentionally wait in line. No one goes to Costco and goes, let me get in the longest line that's wrapping around each aisle, right? No one goes when you're driving in traffic, let me go to the the lane that has the most cars in it so I can stop and just wait for a little bit. None of us. I will actually drive more time out of my way just to feel like I'm moving. Amen? Anyone with me? I'm putting it in Google and I'm going the long way but I feel like I'm moving because I can't stand to wait. But this morning, can I just tell you, it's especially tough when we feel like we're waiting on God. It's especially tough when we feel like we're waiting on God to move, God to do something, and we begin asking the questions, what's taking you so long, God? Where are you at in this season? Why can't I feel you? Why can't I hear you? Why can't I see you begin to move? Have you forgotten me? Do you even care about me? For some of you, you might be waiting and you might be wondering, maybe you've been praying for healing. You've been praying for healing from a migraine that's been plaguing you for the past five years. And as you've been marching through, you've tried every medicine, you've tried every little thing, but for some reason, nothing will work. It comes back at the same time, each month, each week, each day, and you're just, you're done with it. And you're believing God would heal you. You know what his word says, that if we ask, we receive. If we receive it by faith, watch this but nothing's happening. And you're wondering, where are you, God? For some of you, maybe you're really praying for a loved one to come to know Jesus. Maybe you're praying for a spouse and you're saving that seat right next to you. If only my husband was here, a saints player is here. I want to bring him here, right? (laughs) He should have come today, you know. Think about it for a second. You're praying. You're praying for that loved one. You're just going, if they would just even know, if they could, we could get them to our Christmas Eve service, I know the Spirit of God would overtake them, and I know they would come to know Jesus. You're praying for that loved one. For some of you, you might be praying that God would give you a job with real benefits to help you provide for your family. 
that you feel like you've been, you haven't been the provider or breadwinner in your family. And as a man, you feel like I'm less than, and you've been praying and praying and praying. I don't just want to, I just want a job. I want a career. I want to make something of my life. And you're just going, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering me? For some of you, you're praying for God to heal you from depression or anxiety. Some of you have a broken marriage and you're praying that God would reconcile that together. And some of you are single and you've been praying for a spouse. And you started with a list of 45 things of of the qualities you want in a man. And now you're down to two. You've been waiting so long. I just wanted to be a man. I want him to be employed. That's it, literally. And I'm good, God, right? And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you keep asking. And as we're going to see in the weeks ahead, it's a silent night, but it's not the good one like we sing about. All is come and not all is bright. And you're wondering where God is in this time. It's like C.S. Lewis, when he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, he had this amazing quote in that book. And it says this, it says that it feels like winter, but it's never Christmas. Maybe some of you are in that season right now of waiting when it feels like winter, but it's never Christmas. And you're wondering, where is God? Where is God? Where is God? Well, if you've ever felt like this, feel like God is taking a long time, then you know exactly what the people felt like in the Bible when they were waiting on God to send a savior. If you don't know the story, I'm going to break it down for you this morning because I believe as we go into this Christmas season, we need to look at the manger scene in the right context. Amen. Some of us look at the nativity scene and you're going, oh, so cute, baby Jesus, eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus laying in a manger. He's so chubby. His cheeks are chubby. I don't know why baby Jesus always has his hands up like this as a baby. Any baby, they're always swaddled, but the baby Jesus has hands up and he is as white as can be. I'm just going to let you know right now, baby Jesus is not white, okay? But we have him as white as can be. And, and we just think all is calm, all is bright. And Mary looks so beautiful and Joseph just looks so fatherly and, and the, the shepherds look so clean. And how many know that had nothing to do with what it was really like? They were waiting on a Messiah. They were waiting on a savior. And in scripture, we see that God promised a Messiah. He promised it. And then nothing for decades, for centuries after century after century is nothing. In fact, I want to show you how long God's people actually waited for God's promise. And if you're in this season of waiting, I want you to be encouraged today. Because we have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis and let me just tell you real quick, we, we know that if you've been in church for a while, you know that in the book of Genesis, we see that, that God creates everything in six days and he rests on the seventh. And he creates Adam and Eve and he says, everything is good and wonderful. And then he, he creates Adam and he goes, hey, Adam, um, there's no good helper for you. So he puts him to sleep and he creates Eve. And then Adam wakes up and he sees Eve and he says, whoa, man. <laughs> and then they named her woman. <laughs> See, some of y'all got that. Some of you didn't. <laughs> and God gave a specific command for them. He said, I want you to go and tend to the ground. I want you to eat, be fruitful, multiply. And then he said this, but just don't eat from that one tree. There might be hundreds of trees around. Just don't eat from that one tree. Well, we know the story. They go and they disobey God and they eat from that tree and sin enters the world through them. But how many of you know, when you disobey God, there is always a consequence. 
Because watch this, a good father will always discipline his children for the good of them. So God gives consequences. And those consequences come in Genesis chapter 3. And as he, he's giving the consequences, some, you, some of you might have read it a bunch of times, but I want you to see the flow of it. He gives the consequences based on who, who ascended first. The serpent came in, the devil came in, he gave consequence to him first. Then Eve ate first, so he gave consequence to her second. And then Adam came third, because he was a bozo, okay? <laughs> And so there he is there and we see in this glimpse, listen to this, we go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter three, and we see the consequences of the fall. And then he gives a consequence to the serpent first. And we theologians believe it is the first time that God promised a Messiah, that it points to Jesus. And this is Genesis chapter three in verse 15. Here's what it says. And then it says, and the seed of the woman, he's talking to the serpent. God's talking to the serpent. He's giving him a a consequence. The seed of the woman will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What did that point to? It pointed to Jesus. It said that Jesus will, the Messiah will, he'll crush your head. You're going to strike him though, but you'll be dead. And it's the first sign that points to the Messiah, the Savior. And so the Jewish people are going, great, we can't wait for him to come. This is going to be awesome. And then centuries and years and years and years go by and they have to wait. Now, anywhere in this Bible I could pick up and we could begin to see it points to Jesus and it points to the Messiah that is coming. But I'm going to pick up in Isaiah, one of the prophets. And in Isaiah, it's interesting. We read it during, during Christmas all the time in the book of Matthew, and, and it points to Jesus. But I want you to understand something. When Isaiah is prophesying into the future, this is 700 years before Jesus comes. 700 years. And here's what it says in Isaiah seven fourteen. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. And so the people are going, great, he's coming soon. (laughs) It's like when you tell your kids, hey, give me a minute, but you really didn't mean a minute. You meant a lot longer than a minute, but they literally take it as a minute. But they waited. 700 years, they waited and they waited and they waited. The question I have for you is this. Listen to me, this is... So big. What is God doing while we're waiting? What is God doing when we're waiting, when we're praying for healing, when we're praying for provision, when we're praying for blessing, when we're praying for reconciliation, when we're praying for all the things that God has said he's promised to us, when we're waiting and waiting, what is God doing while we're waiting? You see, we have this Bible, we know what ends up happening, but they didn't. Matter of fact, they kept waiting. They kept waiting because the waiting didn't stop there. After Isaiah, they had to continue to wait and to wait and to wait. And in our Bibles, if you've noticed, it's broken up into an Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament is, let's just say, before Jesus. And the New Testament is when Jesus came. 
And so we see these two, these two sides of the Bible, each making one full book, one full story. But what's interesting is the last book of the New, Old Testament is, is Malachi, right? Not Malachi. For some of you, it's not Malachi, it's Malachi, right? It's, it's Malachi, and we see that it ends there. And then in my Bible, I don't know how yours does it, but you turn the page, and then you jump into Matthew, and it's like, and Jesus came, and the Messiah was here. And you're like, yay! And if you're, and you're watching a Lifetime movie, you're going, this is awesome. This is what life should be like. But what's so interesting is most people don't understand this one small page in your Bible. It's called the intertestamental period. You don't need to know it, just a fancy term. Do you know what this one small page represents? 400 years of silence. We turn it over like it's nothing, thank you. We turn it over like it's nothing. We turn it over like, oh, all of a sudden, we're just gonna, we're just gonna do this. We're, we're gonna be up, uh, we're gonna turn the page and we're gonna start reading about Jesus. What most people don't understand is during this period, this was marked with silence. There was no prophet there was no move of God. There was no vision in the land. There was nothing. This one page represents the deepest, darkest silence that the people of God ever went through. This one page represents a time when you can't hear, feel, or see God. And you're wondering, where is he? When you're waiting on the provision, you're waiting on God to give you a job. You're in that period. And you're going, where are you, God? Not a sound from God. Maybe you've been there. Maybe some of you are there right now. Where God is so silent. Watch this, look at me. He feels absent. Can I add to your faith this morning? Can I encourage you? Just because God feels silent doesn't mean he's absent. Just because God feels silent doesn't mean he's absent. And this morning, I just want to encourage you. I want to give you three truths as we enter this Christmas season. Maybe you're waiting. I want you to see something maybe you've never seen before about the Christmas story. That if you're in a waiting period, I want you to take heart. I want you to find hope. I want you to understand God is doing something. So three encouragements this morning, three truths I want to give you. You can write down. Number one, the first thing is this. Write this down. While you are waiting, God is working. How many of you know hindsight in hindsight, you can always see the why behind the wait, can't you? In hindsight, you can always see the why behind the wait. How do I know that? Because I know some of you in here, you look back on Facebook at your old high school boyfriend, and you're going, glory be to Jesus. I'm so glad my mama did not, told me not to date that guy. You look back. Everybody's done it, right? We've all done it. They've probably done it to you too, but still. <laughs> hindsight, we know the why behind the waits. We know why we can, it's easy to look back. And for some of you this morning, you're in that season where you can't see it. But I'm telling you right now, you're going to look back and go, thank you, God, that you spared me from going too fast into that job. Thank you, God, that you spared me into too fast into having that money. I wasn't ready because I would have taken it all for me and I want to give it to you, God. You're going to look back and say, thank you, God, for those things. 
And in Galatians chapter four, we see that Paul tells us really what the waiting was all about. Listen to this. This is so good. Galatians chapter four, verses four and five says this. Paul says to the church of Galatia, he says, but when the set time had fully come, everybody say set time. Set time had fully come. God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. Why? That we might receive adoption to sonship. So watch this. The set time had fully come. Literally, it means complete, full measure. Some versions say perfect time. Some versions say the right time. But this phrase literally means, listen to this, fully pregnant. The time was fully pregnant. Now, I've had five I have the amazing ability to see five beautiful children born into my family. We have five beautiful kids. We have two girls, three boys, ages from 10 to two. So continue to pray for us, Lord Jesus. But I've seen my wife pregnant five times. You know what's interesting about a pregnancy is this. It's, it's, it's the, it, it means that it's growing. It's developing. There's something happening inside. It's getting bigger. It's fully pregnant. And the interesting thing is when it's not time, you can't force it. Think about it. When it's not time, you can't force it. In a pregnancy, if you force it, it's going to hurt bad and it's not going to end well. But watch this also. When it is time, you can't stop it. <laughs> you can't plug it. You can't go, hey, don't, no, don't come yet, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't, you, know, you can't stop it. They can try to delay it, but they can't stop it. You see, Paul is saying the time was fully pregnant because while we were waiting, God was working and moving. He was doing something. How do I know that? Because Christmas proves that God was doing something. Because it was the set time. The set time was complete. What made the time fully complete? Well, if you're a history buff, you're gonna like this. But if you're not, stick with me for a second. I'm gonna make it as easy as possible. Because that page that we saw, that intertestamental period of 400 years of silence, remember God was working in the waiting. And during this time, this 400 years, Alexander the Great came in. If you know anything about that, Alexander the Great conquered the whole known earth. Watch this. And he united the entire earth under one language, Greek. So for the first time since the Tower of Babel, one, one language was spoken throughout the entire known world. And not only that, the Greeks loved when people questioned things. So there was a Socratic method that they, you could ask questions, but they, they didn't know this, but God had the answer the whole time. And in that time, the Old Testament was translated from Hebrew, the original, to Greek. So now everyone could read about the coming Messiah that he was drawing near that God was gonna save the world through him. And so we see this begin to happen and then all of a sudden we see the Romans come in and they begin to conquer the Greeks and the Romans did something different. They began to establish roads and highway systems in a traveling system that had never happened before. So watch this, check this out. For the first time in human history, there was one language throughout the whole world. The Old Testament was translated into that language and everyone could read it and had the availability to read it. That the good news 
of a savior being bored could now travel because of roads and highways and a traveling system. Never in human history had that happened. I don't know about you. I would say that was the set full time. That when the Messiah was born, it could travel to the ends of the earth. You see, God was never waiting. He's always orchestrating, guys. God doesn't wait. We might wait, but God works. And in the same way, while you're praying, God is moving things around. (laughs) That while you're hoping and believing and standing on the promises of God, listen to me, you're going, I know you're working, God, but I just can't see it right now. I know you're doing something. You're setting that man up because when I'm ready and when she's ready, it's gonna happen. Or you're setting that job up for me. I know it's going to be ready. Listen to me, God is working behind the scenes. And I was telling somebody the other day this, listen to me, faith is not actually faith until it's activated. Some of us think we have faith because we come to church. I love it. Thank you. But that doesn't take faith. (laughs) That just takes willpower. Get up out of bed and come to church, okay? It takes faith when you don't see what's next, but yet you're still trusting God. That's faith. That's faith. Some of you right now are in a holding pattern. And you just feel like you're circling, waiting for God to tell you to land. I've been there. Matter of fact, after the NFL, I was blessed to play four amazing seasons in the NFL with the Saints. Uh, and I had a small cup of coffee with the Falcons, as I call it. But please don't shoot me, okay? <laughs> and sure enough, after you get out of the NFL, after I did, I, I know I was wondering, God, what do you want to do with me? As my mom put it, now you got to get a real job. Like I had a fake job before. <laughs> now I have to get a real job. And so... So I just began praying and wondering, God, where do you have us? Where, where do you want us? What do you want me doing? And I had no idea. I was waiting for him to answer me. I was waiting for a moment where a job would open up or, or God would tell me, here's your calling. And, and, and it got frustrating. Can I just tell you in that season, in those two years, because all I'd known is football. For 28 years of my life, all I knew was football. That's all I knew. All I knew was how to, how to play sports. And so for me, it was just like, God, what are you doing? What, what do you want me to become Yes, I had my education. Yes, I could go get a job. But God, I don't want to just have a job. I want to have a calling. And so I began waiting and praying and praying. And it was frustrating and frustrating. I'm just, I was crying out to God every day. What do you want from me? Where are you putting me? And it seemed like it took forever. But watch this. Little did I know that God, while I was waiting, was preparing a place for me in Acadiana right here. While I was waiting in Georgia, he was preparing our Savior's church for me to come down and say, I'm going to create a place for you so you can minister to the great people of Acadiana everywhere. I didn't know that while I was waiting. And for you, you're in the waiting, but God is is working. He's orchestrating something. And we get to trust God that he is who he says he is. and He's going to do what he says he's going to do. We get to wait. But let's be brutally honest here. How many know when you're waiting, your mind can play some tricks on you? And for some of you, you might be wondering, well, what did I do wrong? God, am I not holy enough? Am I not good enough? I serve you, but maybe, maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe, maybe you're, you're wondering, maybe I failed Maybe there's sin in my life that God just won't bless me. Maybe you're wondering, have I let God down or or, or does he not care about me? Let me tell you this. Number two, write this down. 
God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. If you're waiting, you're in good company. How do I know that? Because every single Bible character (laughs) had to wait at some point. I literally can't think of any Bible character in this entire Bible that didn't have to wait. Abraham and Sarah, the father of our faith, the father and mother of all faith, had to wait, watch this, 25 years to hold Isaac, their son. 25 years. There was a promise, hey, I'm gonna make you as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. And then they go, great, when will it happen? And they said, I don't know. And then all of a sudden they start climbing up in age and all of a sudden Abraham gets to be 100. He's like, really God, you're gonna do it now? I'm changing his diaper and mine. You want to do it now? This is what this is about. 25 years to hold their child. We noticed that Joseph in the Bible, he had a vision when he was young to rule and to lead and to influence and to save. And he waited 13 years. Much of it was in prison. For a crime he never even committed, he waited. He waited while God began to do something in Egypt. Joseph was in the prison waiting. And God was doing something. We look at the New Testament and we can pick any Bible figure out. But we can look at some of the miracles God did. The woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she waited for 12 years that she did everything she could before then seeing Jesus and going, I gotta get to him. I know if I can just touch the hem, I'll get healed. It said she exhausted every option and she's pushing through that crowd and I believe she had to crawl on her hands and feet just to touch the hem. And in an instant, she was healed. She waited 12 years and exhausted every option. You might be there right now. Exhausting every option. And what about the man who was laying by the pool? And Jesus walked up and said, you've been laying here for 38 years. And he said, I just need someone to help me in. He was waiting for a miracle. He just said, I'm just waiting for a miracle. 38 years he laid by a pool hoping someone would push him in when the waters were stirred. And Jesus was like, you don't even need to stir the waters. Just pick up your mat and start walking. And in an instant, God answered his prayers. But he waited. He waited. God's delays are not necessarily his denials for your life. He's not saying no. He might be just saying not yet. Listen to me, because God isn't done with the miracle yet. The provision, the job. He's not done orchestrating, putting things in order for you to receive that. 
So he's waiting and he's waiting to get that right. Maybe it's just not time right. Maybe the, the miracle and the provision, it's not ready yet. Watch this. This is going to be hard for some of us. Maybe you're not ready yet. When I got into college, I began thinking about marriage more than ever before. I was a born again believer at 17, went off to college at Georgia Tech where I played football there and, and I began to get involved in FCA and all of a sudden I began to think about marriage a little more serious. I don't know what it was. I just didn't care about it before. And, and can I just be honest with you? I was terrified of it. I didn't have a father when I was growing up. He left when I was two years old. So I never saw a great marriage, never saw what it looked like. So I didn't have an example. I had an example of what not to do, but I had no idea what to do. And during my junior year, this beautiful girl walks in to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and she's on staff. Little did I know that would be my future wife. And I just go, oh wow, she's pretty. <laughs> and I began thinking, could she be my wife? Like that's a weird thought I never had before. And then I got really, really nervous. <laughs> Because I was just like, I can't lead her. She's independent. She is in ministry. She hears the Lord. She follows him. She's speaking to different groups. I'm like, this woman is a woman of God. I got to step up my game. And so I committed myself to begin to get into God's word and pray and just to go, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek you because I know one day I'm going to lead that woman and I'm going to walk before her and I'm going to lead her and I want to be ready, God. I want to be ready. I wasn't ready, so God had me wait. Because I wanted to make a move. But the crazy thing is, because I was a student at Georgia Tech and she was on staff, we couldn't even date. So God made me wait. Listen to me. His delay wasn't his denial. It just, he, I needed some work. But watch this. Little did I know that, that God was working on Michelle too. Because she had just come out of a relationship and she told God right before she came to Georgia Tech, she said, God, I'm not dating anyone for a year. No relationship, you're my only God. And then she met me, guys. But God said, no, not right now. I'm not done with him. And God said, and I want to work on you. And we waited. A year and a half, we waited. And we became the best of friends. And I'm telling you right now, by the grace of God, I would have messed up the relationship tenfold. Y'all, I would have screwed it up. And God loved me so much to force me to wait. For some of you, he's forcing you to wait to build something great inside you. Watch this. Because before God wants to do something for you, he has to do something in you. He has to do something in you. You can't, you're not ready for that job. You're not ready for it yet. You'll mess it up. You'll screw it up. You're not ready for that man. You need to only rely on the Lord and then he'll bring you somebody else. He'll never put an idol in your life. Listen to me. For those of you who are struggling to have kids right now, look up at me. And you're going, but God, but Pastor Chris, I just want something great. Got it. But you're about to make that kid your idol if he gives it to you. And that child will rule your life and become your God. And God loves you so much to say no to you now so he can say yes to you when you're ready. That's what a good father does. 
When my kids want to run in the street, I tell them no, and they, they can throw a fit all they want. I'm going to say, you're going to have to wait until you're responsible enough to look each side and then cross the street. God is a good God. And he knows what he's doing. So listen to me right now. Don't waste the waiting. I love what Isaiah says right here. It says, for since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you. Watch this. Who works for those who wait on him. He doesn't work for those who continue to strive and get after him. He works for those who say, God, you're God, you're going to make it happen. He's working in the waiting. He's continuing to push forward because his timing is perfect. How many know that he'll move on your behalf when he's ready? He'll interrupt. He'll initiate. He'll disrupt your life to move you in an area that you've been waiting for. Because God hasn't forgotten about you. Look up at me. God has not forgotten about you. Just like he never forgot that they needed a Messiah. He's not waiting, listen to me, like we wait. That's not what God does. Because number three, and here's where we close. It may feel like God is slow, but listen to this. God's not slow, he's patient. And guess what? He's patient for you. God's not slow. He's not a slow God. God doesn't even understand what slow is because I love what 2 Peter 3 says. It says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He's going, y'all don't even understand slowness. God has created time. Slowness is not, he's not fast or slow. He's God. (laughs) There's no time. So he doesn't even, he's outside the bounds of time. So slow means you're behind. God's never behind because he knows the end from the beginning and it says this instead he's patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance you know what's interesting about Christianity more than any other religious system out there and you can do all the studies you want to do and everybody you'll find the same thing is that in all the other religious cultures of the world and no matter what religious system you look into here's what you're going to find you're going to find the fact that you need to pursue God that in any other system in any other religion you go to it's all about you watch this either doing good things and gaining favor or doing bad things and losing favor that's religion In every other worldly religious culture, that is the system. You go and do these and you get favor. If you don't, you get no favor. But you want to know what's unique about Christianity? Is that God pursues you. You don't pursue God. He is always and will always pursue you. Sesame Street a while back did a a skit that was very interesting. And they did an old fairy tale where you guys know the princess kisses the frog and the frog turns into this handsome prince and they live happily ever after. But Sesame Street did it a little differently. In the Sesame Street episode, the princess took the frog and she kissed the frog. And instead of the frog turning into a prince, 
the princess turned into a frog. <laughs> Look at me. That's Christmas. That God didn't say, come up to me. He said, I'm going to kiss earth and I'm going to come down to you. That is Christmas. That is what he's about. You, we think we pursue God, but he's always pursued us. Listen to me. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That he thought of us as he was going to the cross. That when he said, it is finished, he knew you would be in this room right now and have the opportunity to say yes to a relationship with him. Watch this. Maybe you're not waiting on God. Maybe God's waiting on you. What if God is waiting for you to say yes to him? It's the glory of God. Maybe he's waiting for you to put your hands up and go, God, I'm done with me. I'm done. Me and my wife, we, we have five beautiful kids, as you know, but we, we struggled with infertility for two and a half years. And there were moments in that time where we felt like we were like, God, where are you? <laughs> Why are we waiting? We're watching MTV 16 and pregnant. And I'm going, looking over going, she didn't even want to get pregnant. We want to. What, what's going on, God? We want to build an army. She wants to give it away. And we were so frustrated. But there was one night where we came to a breaking point. Listen to me. Once again, what if God, you're not waiting on God. What if God's waiting on you? And we came to a moment where it was either we die to ourselves and we say, God, whatever you want to do, or we keep trying to control this situation and we make it worse. And finally we go, God, we give up. Whatever you want to do. If you don't, if you want us to have spiritual children, we'll have, we'll have thousands of spiritual kids, God. If that's our lot, we will take it. Whatever you want to do. On Christmas Day, we found out we were pregnant with our first child. to me. God's not just about holding things from you and then giving things when you're ready. That's not the God. The Bible says no good thing to those that he hold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing. He's not holding something from you. He's holding something for you. He's waiting until the right time, the fully set pregnant time, and then he's going to go, okay, now you can do it. But we have to come to a point where we say, God, I surrender. I surrender. For some of you this morning, you've yet to surrender to a relationship with Jesus. You've been coming to church. You've been doing all the Christian things, but you've never made a definitive commitment and decision to say, God, I want more of you and less of me. You've been doing all the great things but you've never been born again. And all those are awesome. Listen, I'm not talking about if you're Protestant or Catholic. I'm not talking about if you go to OSC or another church. I'm talking about have you been born again? Have you given of your life to Jesus? And said, I'm done with me. I just want you, God. I just want you. Would you bow your heads? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. I know 
There are some people in here this morning, God, that have come to the end of themselves and have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And God, you haven't left them even when it feels like a silent night, God. Thank you for your presence here this morning, God. And I just pray over those that are hurting right now, a supernatural hedge of peace would come, even right now, Lord. The blanket of your presence would come and rest on us, God. I pray before they leave this place, Lord, they would know they have a heavenly father who loves them. Some of them have been waiting for their sons and daughters to come back for a long time. And I just pray, Lord, as they wait, they seek you. And we're hanging on the word that if you raise a child up in the ways of the Lord, not in perfection, but in direction, they'll never depart from it, God. I pray that as those wayward sons and daughters have departed, they'll come back. Your promise will never return void, God. So we surrender, God. We surrender. Let your overwhelming peace, Lord, go before every single man, woman, and child in this place, God. Even our kids' ministry right now, our nursery right now, God. We pray over these kids who are waiting, maybe some of them on a parent, God, on a loved one. Maybe they're waiting on a promise. I pray over them right now, God. Thank you for your presence here, God for your comfort. You're such a good father. You know the exact time and we trust you. And much like we're waiting for Christmas, God, and you promised, you delivered. It's more than just a little baby, God. We don't worship a baby. We worship a savior. Christmas isn't just a holiday we celebrate, God. It's the beginning of you keeping your promise. <laughs> it's the hope. And Lord, we understand that without Christmas, there can be no Easter. There's no resurrection. There's no Savior. So we thank you, Lord, that you kissed earth to give us your child. And I pray right now, Lord, for those that are waiting, may they wait, may they have strength, refreshing grace, and clarity to love you even more. Now, for all those in here that Maybe as I was talking, you just felt like the Lord was speaking to you. And you've never been born again. I want to offer that opportunity this morning. I don't want to leave here without you, with you doubting, am I born again? Do I have a relationship with Jesus? The Bible clearly tells us in John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, you cannot enter in or even see the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. This is not about whether you're going to heaven or not. This is about whether you're going to have heaven here on earth inside of you. It's not something you do, it's something you receive. And you receive it by faith. And it said, then and only then will he give you the adoption of sonship. He wants a relationship, not religion. Today, you can be born again and enter into that relationship and begin walking with Jesus, not in perfection, but in direction. Well, how do I do that, Pastor Chris? It's as simple as A, B, C. A, we just admit we're sinners in need of a savior. Be believed that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to cover your past, present, and future sins. And then see, we confess him 
as Savior. He saves us from our sins, but he's more than a Savior. He's Lord. He's King. He rules and reigns over our entire lives, over your finances, over your relationships, over your marriage, over your kids, every aspect we give him access to. He said, then and only then can you be born again. And I'm going to pray a prayer. Matter of fact, as a church family, we're all going to pray that prayer. The prayer doesn't make you born again. The prayer doesn't save you. The Bible says by faith, your faith saves you. It's faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning, you're going, Pastor Chris, include me in that born again prayer. I don't want to embarrass you. No one else is looking but me, but I don't want you to care what your friend, your neighbor, your your husband, your mom or your dad next to you might think about you. This is between you and God to begin to say, I'm all in for you. I believe you're my savior. And today is my spiritual birthday. And the great part about it only happens once. Just like you have a physical birthday where you're born one time, you have a spiritual birthday where you're born one time. For me, it was August of 2001 in my car. God wrecked me and I said, I am yours forever. And if that's you and said, include me in that born again prayer, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and put it down real quick. I'm the only one looking. One, God has a plan for you. Two, it's not an accident that he brought you here today and he is calling you home. Three, I want you to raise your hand and just wave it at me. Awesome, thank you, thank you. I see you, I see you. Awesome, I see you. Wonderful, anyone else? Balcony. Wonderful, thank you, I see you. Wonderful, thank you. Well, church, with all those hands that were raised this morning, we're all gonna say this prayer together. Repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe on the cross. You took my shame, my sin, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go and rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin because I am born again. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.